open up the app and the music appears But you don't see the hard work, blood, sweat, tears Three minute videos, days spent filming those Airports, sound check, live shows, studios, managers, promoters Labels, graphic design, there's a lifetime behind every rhyme Victory, failure, profit and the cost If we don't pass it on, then the history is lost Want an album review? Then you're paying for ads You want a half-page story? Cost you double for that And the radio's the same, gotta show them the money Cause they shelter and their listeners like bad boy Bubby Ignorance is bliss, but it isn't if you're missing the foundation That's why we had this conversation You wanna know the real deal? Here it is You're tuned in to Beers, Beats and the Beers them to get recognized this is my version of the nobel peace prize that's why i'm coming out my face like this far as negativity you never get this if it wasn't for you nobody would know that's why this is some for the radio <laughs> Alright, check it out. This is the Beers, Beats and the Beers podcast broadcasting live from the Shire Studios once again, as we always do. And what you just heard there was the one and only, the diabolical Biz Marquee. This is something for the radio, or more to the point, this is something for a podcast. And, uh, you know, if you are any fan of hip-hop, if you're even a fan just in passing, you probably would have seen via your social media feeds this week that uh, Biz Marquee passed. And, you know, a podcast called Beers, Beats and the Biz, and myself, Jake Beers, you know, sort of not necessarily named after Biz Marquee, but you know, when I, you know, initially in the early days when I called myself Jake Biz, I called myself Jake Busy early on because uh, I didn't sort of want to think I was biting people, well, you know, for people to think I was biting Biz Marquee and then it just kind of whittled down to Jake Biz anyway. But um, man, just a fucking legend, an absolute legend of hip hop that dates back to the fucking mid 80s. You know, I love all the old stories of, you know, Biz Marquee clubs like the Rooftop and Latin Quarter and all that sort of shit. And I love the music, man, Vapors, uh, Nobody Beats the Biz, This Joint Here, just rhyme with Biz, um, did a lot of work with Big Daddy Kane, Big Daddy Kane ghost wrote for Biz and um, you know he had countless records, he had an impact up until the 2000s recently with um, when he was on that kids show Yo Gabba Gabba and all that sort of shit and you know we had to fucking pay our respects to the one and only Biz Marquee you know and uh, that was just a favourite joint of mine, that's one of the earliest Biz Marquee joints I remember hearing personally, I mean Just a Friend obviously, that was a monster that was a massive hit you know and um, you know one of probably easily or easily one of the uh, most sampled voices in hip hop today, I would say, or, you know, particularly through the nineties. Anyway, a lot of our favorite producers and DJs utilize the fuck out of Bismarck and whatever acapella and instro and all that sort of shit. I mean, fuck man, like Primo, large pro Q-tip, Pete Rock, they all used a lot of Bismarck in their fucking joints and shit like that. But you know, we got to keep it moving. We could pay respects to Bismarck for an hour, man. We could do a whole episode dedicated to the biz, but, um, you know, yeah, I just wanted to fucking, you know, pay our respects to the human beatbox himself and, uh, or the human orchestra and shit like that. I mean, the dude was a beatboxer. He was a DJ. He's a ph- 
phenomenal DJ, great digger and stuff, record digger and all that kind of thing, deep in the breaks and all that kind of thing, and handed a lot of records to Marley Marl for a lot of the early Cold Chillin' releases, member of the Juice crew, so on and so forth, folks. You get the drill. This is in a Wikipedia rundown right here. This is the Biz Beats and the Biz Podcast. And, you know, once again, we just had to pay our respects. But moving on, because we have a guest joining us live from Sydney currently, and I can't wait to get to it. But, you know, right quick, as we always do, I've got to recap last week's episode, the one and only James Straker, formerly of the, a group out of Brisbane called the Melnicks, a tour manager, a, uh, a general manager for bands and fucking various businesses across Brisbane. I mean, that's a fucking, that was a sprawling, epic conversation, man, that went everywhere. I mean, James even hijacked the convo for a minute there. And, you know, like we did fucking three hours with the dude and probably could have done another three hours quite easily, you know, because just a fucking story and a half. He's done so much from, um, you know, from starting bands and being involved in so much different music across, you know, throughout the 90s up until the early 2000s, but various businesses and stuff. And people like that are just interesting to learn from, you know, from my perspective anyway. I follow the dude on social media and he's just always out there, always doing something different, always got a hustle on the go and just constantly moving. And, you know, I sort of appreciate that and fucking – you know, definitely want to sort of hear more about those journeys, you know, those people's that, well, those people that are creative and just constantly fucking on the hustle and constantly on the move. Uh, not unlike uh, our guest joining us tonight from Sydney, but before we get there, shouts to all our Patreon members. We gained another couple of Patreon members over the course of the last week, so shouts to you guys. We're working on that content. Just leave it with us. I promise you it is coming. You won't be fucking forking out money for nothing, but anyone else, anyone out there that's um, supporting this podcast, man, fucking thanks to you guys. It's, uh, it's a huge yeah, it's a huge boost to us. Um, you can head to patreon.com forward slash beers beats the biz and support this podcast from as little as a dollar a month. I mean, a fucking dollar a month. It is nothing. It is nothing. I mean, obviously we're living in crazy times. I don't even want to touch on COVID tonight. I mean, you know, fuck, it's it's almost inescapable. It's all over your fucking news. It's all over your, you know, your fucking phone and all that kind of shit at the moment. But, you know, it's, you know, yeah, once again, we're living in fucking crazy times. So, you know, obviously you've got to take care of your families first and foremost, keep that money in your pocket. But, you know, if you can afford it, if you can afford a dollar, dollar a month as, a, you know, as fucking probably most of us can, please, man, head over to patreon.com forward slash beers beats the biz and kick it over here now. What else we got to talk about? Ah, speaking of fucking hustling, keeping things moving, our Reels logo tees. That's just the stock standard logo done by our boy Reelsy. We've got those shirts available now via beersbeatsthebiz.com. I'll put links up to that via our social media and everywhere over the coming week. Um, yeah, they're live now live for you to fucking get your hands on so go over there grab one we greatly appreciate all the support any support you can show us um that tease have hit us up for fucking those tees and we've had them we've actually been sitting on them for a month or two so we've just sort of been waiting for the ideal time to launch them and uh you know they are now out there and available for you to get you'll see more of that on social media this week you can follow us at beers beats the biz on social media instagram facebook all that kind of shit get it my man insidious if you want beats production blah 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 we need to get into this interview Today, we are joined by Alec from Craze Co. or the Craze Collective, a collective of makers, movers, and shakers from doing crazy stunts and getting on the news and having media attention to doing fun shit he loves with like-minded people, creating merch to creating ideas from hustler to turning his hobbies into business. Man, I can't wait to get into this dude's history and all he's done. We are joined by Alex from Craze Co. Alec, how are you, bro? 
Hey, um, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> nah, it's a pleasure, my brother. It's a pleasure, and thank you for joining us last minute like you have, man. I know you are a fucking insanely busy motherfucker. It is, um, you know, and it's fucking, it's dope to be joined by you, man. A hustler, a mover, a shaker, a motherfucker doing so much shit. And for those listening, for those sort of, um, you know, new to Alex's legacy and everything he's done, he's, um, he, you know, he's come, coming out of Sydney currently. But, I mean, this is a dude that, I mean, fuck Trav, let's break it down for the people. I mean, this is a dude that's fucking done so much crazy shit man from dumping a fucking pound on scomo to fucking turning up to parliament house with 420k to setting up fucking weed plants in martin place i mean what else trap talk to us baby well fuck how long have i known you alec fucking pardon how long have i known you probably going on nearly fucking 10 years now would it be yeah, yeah, it's been quite a while, actually. Um, I don't know if my memory is that good, but uh, yeah, it's been, been a few years now. I think you first reached out to me for your merch and your Rackmasters, maybe? The, um... Yeah, that's probably about right with, with um, Oz Hip Hop Shop and, and trying to get it all out there and uh, and get onto other like-minded people. Yeah, it was, it was good to connect. But since, since meeting you, you're still one of the, um, I don't know how to put it, one of the main ideas blokes that i know currently um, oh well thank, thanks to hear man <laughs> just not just the ideas you're a fucking dope bloke when it comes to fucking even just kicking it man every time you come up or we go to nimbin not that i'm smoking anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> off the greenery baby off the greenery but i mean travis has been travis has been sort of fucking jamming me up and um you know sort of filling me in on a lot of uh what you get up to bro like what would you what would you sort of call yourself Are you like a guerrilla marketer like do you do you even give yourself a label you just a sort of fucking um, you just out there kind of hustling yeah, well, and moving we're always getting that question on on what is that you guys actually do which yeah. is uh, Probably something we'd like to capitalize on and play into now nowadays. Um, but yeah, I guess it, it's morphed over the years and it's, it's changed and, and evolved. Um, but at this point, I guess our, our subheading would be uh, creative business solutions. Wow. Uh, yep. So that's, yeah, it encompasses, I guess, our favorite parts of, of what a creative agency or a guerrilla marketing agency touching into PR kind of work um uh, as well as just the standard old school business solutions kind of kind of company so we, we've kind of um i guess rolled up all of our favorite bits of of each of each of those industries and put it into our own joint yeah but you i mean the the way you do things and just having sort of you know gone through your blog and been on your website over the um you know and even your social media and all that kind of thing over the past few days man like i mean you communicate ideas in such a fucking in like a, a new and incredibly exciting fashion, man. Like how, how did that, how, like where does that, is that just your sort of thinking? Like how does all that kind of come about? Um, yeah, so I, it definitely started when I was quite young. Um, I guess before I had a lot of, uh, how would I put it, adult influences. Yep. Um, as in, not, not as in influences in my life who were adults, but as in the kind of influence that you're, uh, opened or more susceptible to uh, in a later uh, age in life, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I started quite quite young. It all it all sort of morphed. Um, I guess the, the complete origins are pro is probably graffiti because um, the, the, the company itself and, and the business name, I guess, started with, uh, with putting graffiti prints onto T-shirts. Ah, oh, word, word. And you grew up in West Sydney? Yeah, Western Sydney. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. 
who was who was sort of who you know what was influencing you down there like right graffiti wise were you, were you writing you say you were writing early on um yeah i'd say it was it was around uh or i was coming up around the lad fad definitely where, where, when all that shit and the all the essays were blowing up i think we've seen it recently through through the media but that was um it seems like they've just got cycles they go through because that was definitely popping off when 10 years ago or 15, 15 years ago nowadays when um, back when I was starting. It's one, my uh, bra. It's one, my bra. I still call you lad. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah I guess it's one, lad. For, for like influences and whatnot, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I've just always done what I, what I wanted to. And yeah. um, back in the day, it might have been um, – uh, ill-guided, I guess. So the uh, the, <laughs> the rewards or the, the fruits of my labour um, wasn't necessarily anything tangible or worth aiming to achieve for, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. So I've kind of just evolved, uh, uh, yeah, I guess what, what is my passion or, or obvious passions that have, that have come out through through what I do um, into the what, what we have here now in the modern day, yeah. Today. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Well, how does the, how does like the whole hustle and everything you do kind of start? How does it begin? Um. Well, it begins when you want things that you don't have money to buy. I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, for real. And so the scamming and scamming and thieving or, or scheming to to get things you want um only only will only get you so far in life, I guess. Or definitely has its limitations. And um, certainly. Uh, I guess, yeah, just try, trying to also be a good person and, and care for those around me. Um, I guess not necessarily just my, my immediate family or, or those right next to me, but everyone in the in the community or, or other like-minded people. Um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of, I don't know, I'm going on a bit of a tangent and forgetting the question. <laughs> no, 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 dude. No, no, I was just saying like sort of where does it, you know, how does that hustle kind of start? Oh yeah, yeah. I guess it's just the, the obviously everyone needs to needs to work and in, in, uh, to get by and, and to, to do the things they like doing. Um, I guess a, a big driving factor with with a lot of the stuff I do is uh, uh, where we stand in in a le, le, uh, legal sense or a legal climate, um, such as the the cannabis activism, because yes. that was that was uh, impeding on people's quality of life when it didn't need to. Um, but I guess, yeah, the, the actual business and, and business side of things just starts from, from everyone has to, so I'd rather do something I like doing than something I don't. Yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly, exactly. Well, fuck, man. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, your early days with graffiti and, you know, all that kind of shit, I, I mean, you know, did you get up? You were getting up? You were out there? Oh, I'd like to think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. No <laughs> doubt, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no, I still try and get up um, in uh, in a more evolved way. Um, I guess to this day, I don't want to put too much out there because I don't want to bring heat on it. But um, yeah, we're always uh, sticking things up and, and doing getting things done so that we're, our our names or our, whatever we're pushing at the time is still up. Yeah, definitely, man, definitely. Like, and you just you sort of touched on your um, you know, that cannabis activism. I mean, you know, dude, we do tend to go all around the shop in this podcast and goes off on tangents and all that kind of shit but you know we kind of mentioned i mentioned briefly just out the gate because that's what i've sort of been looking at man and i find it fucking like it's amazing some of the shit you've been doing you know setting up a grow room in king's cross i mean alec has gotten a lot of fucking media attention in recent times you know for some of you know for some of the activism that he's been involved in you know from 
you know, setting up plants all over Sydney, the grow room in King's Cross. I mean, dude, dude, you know, fucking turning up, you know, to Parliament House with 420K and shit like that, man. I mean, you know, the, the motivations behind those things, bro, you know, like is it like, dude, fucking just speak on that shit, man. That shit's crazy. Um, well, I guess I, uh, I, 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 as a ADHD kid or, or however you guys want to put it, I, I definitely love attention. So, so yeah. that's, um, that's not hurting the situation, but the, the primary factor, I guess, was myself. So, um, I, I, back when we started those, so what you're referring to, that that's a campaign that we do called, uh, who are we hurting or, or a series of stunts that we've done. Um, so we do them on April 20th, which is 420, um, 420 number, obviously synonymous with, with the cannabis community and cannabis users. Um, on that day, you see, you see people either celebrate in the, the countries and the states where it's legal, um, or protest, uh, where, where it's not. So that happens worldwide. And, uh, and that's not something that we've initiated. That's, that's been going and for, for a very long time. Yeah. Um, I guess we were more just trying to, to bring that to Australia or to, to make sure that Australia was doing something about it. So rather than leave it up to other, other cannabis users or, or anything like that, um, we, we saw how we could potentially be victimized by the, the climate we were in at the time we started yeah. um, and that just wasn't acceptable to us so we used uh, our knowledge or the, the skills that we have and applied that um, in the way that we know best. Um, so I guess there are other people that could definitely talk about the science or, or the medical benefits uh, like doctors or scientists um, that will have a lot more uh, accurate uh, edu- uh, information that then I can give you yeah. um, I guess but me as, as a case study uh, a consumer who uses it uh, I've been successful while doing so and the only real negative I've seen from it are a direct uh, result of the legislation which is, is something that we we uh, vowed to fix basically yeah. um, so when we started that that stunt like in the cross that was that was actually our second year of doing who are we hurting the first year we, we teamed up with um, uh, old school rapper Hijack from, yeah. from Sydney used to be yeah. part of Hijack and Torture. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and we did did a little stunt with that, but um, that didn't get too much coverage, too much media coverage. The the second year, I think, is is really what kicked it off. Um, that that got loads of coverage, and that was the shop in in Kings Cross, the yes. uh, fake dispensary. Yeah. Basically. Um, Can you tell so us yeah, what that, you actually did with the grow room in Kings Cross? What we did with it? Yeah, just to explain to the listeners sort of exactly what you um, did. We'll obviously put up links to it, but um, yeah. yeah, if you could just explain to them regarding the grow room in Kings Cross. Uh, well, that basically the that entailed uh, finding a retail location that we could lease uh, in a pop up capacity. So we didn't want to sign obviously a, a full full lease or anything like that. Um, we ended up finding a. Uh, we, we were picking the location. We we wanted somewhere that was uh, had high. Uh, uh, we we wanted somewhere in a, in a business district um, with with a good revenue turnover, I guess. Um, Kings Cross has has its obvious problems with with alcohol fueled violence and that it was going through when it saw the the clubs being shut down and. Yeah. Um, and a big change in, in that area, yeah. uh, and we just wanted to throw throw cannabis in the mix, I guess. So we found one where they gave it to us for the the asking price they wanted for a month, um, but we just leased it for two weeks. So that was from four twenty till the end of April. Mm. Uh, uh, we had uh, had a heap of artists work on fake uh, fake cannabis plants. So those we put into 
pots and all that, set up um, <clears throat> set up your grow lights and, and other growing equipment. So it looked like it was uh, they were growing under under hydroponic lights. Um, and then yeah, just we set it up on the night of April nineteenth. Uh, had a big flag in the window, and we're obviously being cautious with the props because we didn't want to get uh, get picked up too early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, then yeah, basically a few hours after sunrise on four twenty, it had um, it had news cameras and and everyone standing out the front of it, filming it and observing it. And um, then yeah, short time later from that, I think it was the the police arrived, um, and then they contacted the agent, and the agent contacted us and. We had to go down there and, and open up so the police couldn't inspect the what was inside, basically. So yeah. they went through all the props and everything and realized they were props and then um, uh, said, we're good to go. And we'll, we'll yeah, they, they were on their way and we're fine. That was, it was as simple as that. Yeah, yeah, basically. So um, I guess we had to had to think of the idea to begin with, and yeah. there was um, yeah. there was flaws flaws throughout it, or, or roadblocks we hit, and, and certain things. So um, we spent a lot of time like scouting the location and, and going through different things. Um, but yeah, that was, that was pretty pretty much how it unfolded. That's amazing, man. Because it is it is amazing. Um, it's amazing on a creative level, but then also, you know, the message and then just the simple branding, you know, like who are we hurting? I mean, you know, here in Brisbane, we, I mean, here in Brisbane, Fortitude Valley, it's sort of, you know, gone through numerous, you know, it's gone through very similar changes as King's Cross with, you know, alcohol fuel violence and all that kind of thing. And, you know, just the messaging, man, like where that, um, you know, that sort of like, do you, do you do any, do you have a team working with you on that kind of, you know, on that kind of messaging and on that from a oh, there, there's def, definitely loads of people who yeah. who help and and uh, yeah and help me get a, get everything done. It's definitely not just me, but um, yeah. that actual title, that one I did come up with. Yeah. Um, the first year when we did the one with Hijack, we didn't have that name, so that came about because when we leased the shop, it had uh, had some old signage there for the massage parlor that used to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we had to had to replace the signage, and so when it come down to that. Um, I guess we were working out what, what we're going to send to the designers or whatever so that we can have that artwork ready to print and, and then get it printed and, and then install it on the night. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I guess that was, that was I think, when the idea occurred and sort of when we got to that was giving it that title because of the, the signboards. Um, and I guess that that, that title just re really resonated um, or got the message across. I, I think it was it was very appropriate. Um, and then so that's what we uh, that's what we kept rolling with in the, in the future years. And so that was about five or six years ago now. And since then we've done another stunt uh, every every April twenty. Yeah. All of them have gotten um, like Channel Seven or Daily Daily Mail. Or, um, yeah. Did that one put you onto the project? Didn't it? Um, uh, which one were we talking about? The grow room. Grow room. No, I don't think that one was on the project. I was hitting them up to do it, and I wanted to fly straight over. I would have flown to to the studios in Melbourne to do it. Um, I was also planning on smoking an apple bong and then eating it. <laughs> <laughs> the, just getting back to what I was saying before, and I guess where the the eating the evidence idea and and the further stunt sort of comes from. Um, back when we were doing those stunts, we didn't have medicinal rule, medicinal cannabis available to us in the, like we do nowadays. So yeah. uh, since since those, uh, I'm not not attributing it just just to what we've done because there are many many other parties that have been doing great quality uh, 
moves, I guess I'd say, because um, a lot of them are MPs or, or lawyers and ex-magistrates. Um, but they're all definitely working towards the same goal of, of uh, where we are now, as well as uh, further change. Um, but yeah, the current climate, uh, anyone can ring up a cannabis clinic and pay the money and get prescribed. You've got uh, a video explaining all that, don't you, as well? Pardon? You've, um, regarding that, you did the from cr uh, criminal to patient video? Yeah, so I guess um, still to this day, I, I speak to people or, or mates tell me about, um, I guess, charges they're copping or, or, or issues arising from the legislation. Um, and yeah, they're, they're telling me they're not prescribed or, or not taking advantage of, uh, of the medicinal cannabis uh, system we have here in Australia. Um, and the only thing that, that the reason why for that is that they're not aware that it's available to them. So uh, the, the companies within the cannabis industry, uh, they're very limited on how they can advertise. Um, so they can't advertise the health benefits of it. And most of them aren't even advertising the fact that it is available. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, un unless you've been told or, or you, you're constantly doing your own inquiries to see if things have changed, uh, it would leave everyone to just assume that they're, they're still in the same boat they were last year or, or the week before. Whereas, um, yeah, nowadays it's quite easy. Everyone can get prescribed, uh, um, even in Tasmania. Tasmania's just just uh, changed their legislation to... to uh, be more similar to the mainland. So mm. it was a little bit harder to get prescribed there up until this year. Um, I think one of those reasons could have been that they have very sensible uh, driving legislation. So their driving legislation uh, that already existed basically meant that uh, there was a defence for anyone driving with uh, medicine in their system. So that would then provide a defense to the offense of having THC in your system so long as uh, impairment wasn't determined. Fuck, it's a convoluted fucking, it's, you know, it's a largely convoluted fucking thing, isn't it? You know, and does this, le this legislation varies from state to state? Yeah, it's all, it's all different state to state. Um, yeah. The... TGA, uh, I'm pretty sure that's like a, a federal organisation. Yeah. Um, they have a lot to do with it and, and work with the states um, in, in developing their legislation, I guess. I don't know too much about that side of things. Yeah, okay. You, yeah, you created the um, that video of that girl um, going through and getting her prescription, didn't you? Um, yes, that was that was I guess one of our efforts of, of taking it to the mainstream and fixing the problem I brought up with with my friends telling me about um, about charges they were copying because if they had have watched the video and knew what was available to them and then went through the process themselves they wouldn't then be going through court. The um, can you explain say I guess the making of the video um, you've told us what the reasoning behind it but what I guess the video is about. Uh, so the video is about um, a lady who goes go, well, going through the prescription process. So she was already a consumer from the black market. Um, she, I don't think she had had any issues with, with the legislation herself in the past. She was lucky with that, but she just wanted to protect herself moving forward, I guess. So, um, yeah, the, the, the vlog basically is it's a video uh, a vlog. Mm. Um, and follows them through, follows her through the process of uh, getting the referral from her doctor, and then getting speaking with the clinics and getting prescribed. 
Um, with that said, though, it is a lot easier now than when we shot the video. So, um, yeah, now you, you don't even have to go through as many steps, I believe. That's real good. Um, we'll go back to the stunts, bro, because you do have a lot, especially when it comes to the 420 day. Um, maybe discuss the um, weed plant in Martin Place. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, oh, well, that, that was one of the stunts too, I guess. That's um, not necessarily one of my favorites. I feel like some of the others had better qualities to them. But um, <laughs> I knew you'd get snapped. When you told me, I knew you'd get snapped when you told me about it. You knew which? I knew you'd get snapped at Martin Place. Oh, right. Yeah, uh, well, we didn't. We actually anticipated a lot more. So we were, with the sponsors and whatnot we had, we were preparing them for um, bigger fines, I guess, mm. so that they were ready, ready to pay them. Um, but, yeah, we, we ended up, yeah, basically, we spent a, a very long time building a two-story tall uh, weed plant. So it's obviously just a, just a sculpture. It doesn't look all, too authentic. It just looks like a artistic uh, impression, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we spent spent quite a while. I think it was like a month or maybe two months uh, building that in a, in a factory. Um, got it transported on a, on a flatbed till tray out to Martin Place uh, real early in the morning. Set it up where they usually set up the big Christmas tree there. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll get our final photos and then I guess we'll just fight us and around admiring our handiwork. Um, and we probably hung out there a bit too long and the police arrived. Yeah. Uh, the four people that were still there at the time they arrived ended up getting uh, uh, what do they call it? A um, infringement notice. Um, so that's just a, a fine that you pay. Basically, it's not a criminal charge. Yeah. Um, and they were two hundred and fifty each. So, so that was a thousand bucks. Um, but yeah, we we thought we'd be up for a bit more. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> and wouldn't you have been under fucking like? Wouldn't there be that? That should be cameraed the fuck up, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And um, yeah. we tried we tried to obtain the footage, but uh, what it came down to, our lawyers were basically telling us that we can get the footage, but we won't be allowed to publish it online legally. So yeah. we didn't pursue getting it. <laughs> was it was it still there when Koshi and fucking that went to air on fucking whatever morning? No, I doubt it. The um, as well, like while we were there with the police, the police were fucking booting through the signage and shit in the planner box. But like, you, bear in mind, the planner box was taller than the cop just just in the fucking <laughs> sculpture pot that it was in. Yeah. So they basically just ran through the whole thing and broke all the signage that said who are we hurting on the side of it and whatnot. Um, and then they gave us all move on orders, but uh, uh, I think it lasted only about an hour or so, and then yeah. council broke it up. And I believe council were reusing it because we had um, like like for that for that one, we had like two or three tons worth of sand in sandbags that we that everyone was like chained in past the parcel sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that we could weigh it down and make sure it, like we, we, we did a lot of effort to make sure it was safe and, uh, and wasn't going to cause an issue should it last, uh, throughout the whole day or while, while there are crowds of people walking past or anything like that. 
Um, so yeah, there was there was like two two ton of sand adjusting sandbags, and I believe the council recycled all of that and took it back to their warehouse to reuse. No shit, that's <laughs> fucking unreal. It's dope, dude. How fucking like how sort of militant you are with it, and how you've kind of how you've uh, largely like adopted a um, like a real graph mentality to your activism and to your marketing. You know that that sort of that fucking like that excitement, that adrenaline, that fucking I, I don't know, man. You're doing like Doing some crazy shit. I mean, do break down a bit of the um, uh, dropping the pound of weed off to fucking Scott Morrison, man, because that's fuck that shit's that shit's nuts. And I haven't seen I haven't seen any. I don't know if there's footage of it or shit like that. But how does how does that sort of fucking go down? Well, the way it sort of came about. I mean, from when we did them, we obviously we've been through why, why we do them or, or the motivations behind it. We try and keep up and do them every year on April twenty and. Um, I guess it's it. We are usually leaving it quite late, so I'm always speaking to the, to the others in the team. Like as soon as we get one done, I'm like, hey, we should probably start planning the next one now. At least that way we can plan it and leave it and just know it's done. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we kind of kind of always leave it till too late. Um, I guess <laughs> we haven't haven't planned next year's one. Yeah. Um, but uh, the way that come about when, when we're doing for, uh, after we did the King's Cross shop, um, we offered the plants out for hire to film and television. Um, and as as the years went on, when we we're doing the other stunts like the two story tall plant and whatnot, uh, we ended up uh, re- like decking out a factory full of just the different props and different size plants and plants in different stages of growth. Yeah. Um, and that all came about just from those that first lot we made for the stunt. Um, and then offering those to, to film and television and then them coming to us and saying, oh, the script requires these kinds of plants, but that wouldn't be what we'd have on hand, so we'd have to make more. Yeah. Um, so then we ended up making buds for, for a production. Um, and so that year we were like, oh, yeah, well, we got the buds, and it was actually lockdown time, so everyone was meant to stay home. And so we figured, well, we'll visit the, the prime minister's home and just let him know sort of, what what um what what issues we have and so yeah we um, went to his house. <laughs> <laughs> Turn up at Scomo, fucking pizza. <laughs> yeah, we're in um we're in a nice uh, Uber Uber Comfort. It was a Lexus. <laughs> yeah, pulled us up. yeah. Um, and yeah, the AFP were a bit um uh I don't know they didn't quite know how to take it but it was received quite well I guess. Uh, every interaction I've had with the AFP has been totally different to any interaction with any state officers in any state. They just have a different mentality, it seems. Um, how so? Yeah, how so? Like, if, if if you don't mind me asking, like, how so? Like, what what is the AFP's approach? You know, to these kinds of things versus you know the. Oh, I mean, like New South Wales police are a gang, so they're they're the same as any other bikey gang or, or anyone else who will sees you doing well and and will want a piece of the pie, basically. Yeah. Um, as for the AFP, I don't I don't know, but I don't think they're in quite the same capacity, and mm-hmm. every interaction with them has been quite civil. Whereas I can't say the same for New South Wales police. No shit, is that right? Yeah, especially the area I live in, they're they're fucking corrupt the shit out. Yeah, 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 yeah. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. How how does that sort of like that kind of work and that like how does that translate into further business for you? Does that does you know does doing these kind of stunts and appearing on the news does that 
does that you know does that cast any kind of negative light on the work you do and you know future work with other companies does that or you know more more to the point does that put other companies off or potential you know potential clients off oh uh, look possibly but if a client was to ring me and I mean, there's a lot of things we feel passionate about. Not all of them we do crazy stunts for. Mm. Cannabis is is a very big, uh, a big thing. But yes, um, we don't want to work with anyone who doesn't have the same values we do. So if yeah. they're expressing um, a, a, a difference in opinion that that is as strong as something like a, like the cannabis one, it, uh, to put it bluntly, if anyone didn't agree with that, we don't want to work with them anyway. And yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. And not and it, it, it wouldn't unfold that that well anyway. We're going to be on different pages throughout, and then there's, our offering wouldn't be the best to them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And not to get into your pockets, but like, what are the budgets behind some of these stunts? Or uh, you know, are are you able to enlighten us as to the budgets? Um. Yeah. Well. I, I can give you like rough numbers on elements of it. Like the leasing a shot is was I think the King's Cross shot was like three grand in itself, and that yeah. just went to, to to the real estate just to lease a shop. So then we've got um, uh, the time and labour of of everyone else who helps. So um, for from all the stunts, we've got cameramen and and people like that uh, filming it all. It takes them uh, just as many hours as as what they've filmed usually to edit it, and yeah. the course of what we're working and and what the the stunt we're doing i guess we we need to have editors and videographers working simultaneously so that we have that footage edited and sent out to the media or or published online the same day sort of thing um to to a decent level um so yeah there, there, there's quite a lot of of man hours and, and money that goes into it but uh i guess are there any other elements in particular that you might want to know the cost on rather than total budgets oh, no. I, I don't even really know the total budgets off the top of my head anyway so if i if i said a number i'd uh, yeah i'd be lying yeah no no i just find it fucking because i figured like some of these stunts there's got to be you know there's got you know there's got to be a uh, you know, quite a large investment sort of going in behind, you know, going into them, you know, like fucking just manpower and, you know, creation of what you're doing and what you're communicating, you know, like I just fucking, you know, yeah, just kind of fucking had me Yeah, well, that's just, why we take the sponsors on. So I guess um, the message would probably go a little bit further and be heard a bit more if we didn't have logos associated with it because the uh, – yep. I guess the news and media look at it more like PR than than, than necessarily about the actual topic, which is the, the problem with the, the legal climate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it is still working and, and the laws are changing and it, it's it's quite good to be able to say that the the main thing we're up against now is only the driving laws. So to to think back five years ago, you you would be worried going to a music festival or getting on the train or, or doing anything like that with so much as a joint in your pocket. Oh, for real? Um, where, yeah, well, yeah, because you could be charged with possession or be picked up by sniffer dogs or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, now that you have a prescription, you have no need to worry. You can freely have your, your medication on you. You can freely take it where you want to go and enjoy yourself throughout the day. That's yeah, that's crazy. I mean, fuck yeah. I mean, dude, you go back fucking years. I mean, I remember mates getting arrested for a fucking. I remember having one mate arrested over a tinny in his pocket, probably less. You know, like just fucking, yeah. You know, crazy. really. I mean, with, with the way we're talking, like that's still happening today for anyone who either doesn't know that they can go and get prescribed or can't afford to because it is a bit pricey still, even yeah. though it's coming down in price. 
Um, but yeah, that's definitely still happening to, to that lot. Um, hopefully that doesn't get worse, but the more, more money that's going into medicinal, I guess, um, uh, it creates more reason for, for this dispersion, dispersion. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Disper properly. The dispersion. Yeah. To, to grow. Yeah. Um, but with that, with that said, we're obviously fighting for it to be added to the PBS or, or other things like that to make it more more accessible to everyone, and um, and we won't stop fighting until until you can grow your own. So there's yeah. Uh, yeah, we take it step by step. I guess the next thing would be the driving laws, and then um, beyond that, I guess we can assess what would be uh, the easiest thing to actually win and have put into practice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, we want to be able to grow our own. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And like, what what is the like the you know just for just for our listeners and shit like that, you know? Because I mean, we got a lot of dudes. I mean, fuck, you know, I still smoke. I still smoke a little bit here and there and shit like that. I know Trav's giving it up and whatever, but like you know, the accessibility to medicinal marijuana is it as simple as just going to your doctor? Do you have to have some sort of prior condition? Like you know, are, are doctors hesitant to prescribe it? How does it? How does that all work? Well, for anyone that doesn't already use, mm. don't start using. There's yeah. no, unless you've got an, uh, yeah, unless someone had says that that would probably help your ailment, yes. leave it alone. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. everyone else who are already using, just go to your doctor, tell him you're already, or tell your doctor you're already using and, and that you don't want to be supporting the black market or you want to do it the right way yeah, and yeah. ask him for a prescription. Um, if your doctor isn't sure on how to do so or what to do, um, your regular GP, that is, call yeah. call up a cannabis clinic or, or ask him to write your referral to, to a clinic. You can download the referral forms off most of their websites and just take it into your GP. Um, and then, yeah, that way if he doesn't know what he's talking about or, or much about it, he can refer you to someone who does and their clinic will then prescribe it to you. Yeah, that's bad. Uh -huh. I, I say to people to use, go to their standard GP first because that is usually the cheaper way to go about it and, and could save some time. Um, I think more and more GPs are becoming willing and, and starting to prescribe, but you still have have the uh, a bunch with the old school mentality. Yeah. So you get to a point, I guess, like in the video, um, four doctors refu refuse to even sign the referral. Yeah. Um, so now clinics are offering internal ones anyway. So you could just ring a clinic direct and, and sort it through them, um, but it could, could end up being a little pricey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, you do. I mean, we'll, we'll probably get back into the weed as we sort of go through things. But you do a, you know, a lot of, a lot of different work. I mean, you do fucking stickers, merch. You do importing and exporting. Beyond the stunts, you do videography, banners. Like, man, let's get into some of the other shit you did. I mean, did you have, did you do a degree in any of this, or did is this just is this just you just fucking taking it up? Yeah, no, there's there's no degree. Yeah. Um, but I guess all that stuff is like the just manufacturing um, yeah. and, and that kind of thing or, or still encompasses a lot of the other things we've spoken about, like the signs that had to be designed for the King's Cross shop, for example. So, um, yeah, a lot of our other graffiti writer friends and artist friends have moved into design and that kind of thing or – um, like I said, we, we use the videographers and the editors to, to document everything. Um, so over the years, I guess we've built a good network of, of creators and, um, and other sorts of people that are, that are making content or, or creative kinds of stuff and doing this kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and we've also, how I mentioned that we needed sponsors to, to be able to sustain it and to cover all of it. 
Um, we look for brands that uh, have similar demographics and market interests, but don't compete with each other. Yeah. Um, we work out agreements with them where, where we work for them in, I guess it's similar to having a retainer. We work for them on a regular basis. Um, and, uh, and basically we provide creative business solutions um, encompassing uh, any aspect of, of all those things we've discussed um, that to, to get them to wherever the next step is that they need to be or, or to for, for whatever it is they're trying to achieve. Yeah, dude. I mean, fuck, you have the lingo down pat for a dude without a degree and shit like that, man. You got that, fu- <laughs> you got that fucking marketing jargon fucking on lock. <laughs> I feel like I'm rambling a lot of shit. And after I finish speaking, I, I keep thinking, oh, I could have worded that better. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no we, can, we keep it as raw as possible on this shit, bro. What were you saying, Trav? Yeah, so talk, say, some of your merch because um, it's not just, I guess, clothing. Um should we talk about the old Rackmasters? Uh, yeah, if you, if you want to. Um, Do you want to explain yeah, to people where Rackmasters came from and what they are, so to speak? Because um, I, get, I, I sell them on I the can. website and I get haunted. I don't know if I can be as real as I'd want to, and I don't want to lie to your listeners <laughs> well, about why I do it. I had to rename them to um, Protecting Your Merch on the Rack. Is protecting your merch. Yeah, I had to put the subtitle <laughs> in because I was getting haunted for selling them. <laughs> <laughs> Who was haunting you? Customers. <laughs> Random. Yeah, why? Why are they trying to support Maya? Yeah, I don't know. It was, yeah, uh, even sharing it on Facebook, man, I was getting haunted, like in comments or fucking private DMs and fucking emails and shit, man. So I just changed it so it's still Rackmasters, but the subtitles. Protecting your artist merch on the rack. <laughs> uh, I've, well, I've had a few few issues with it, but I still stand by it, and I'm not changing. Um, Time Out Magazine, we're going to do a feature on me, and then we're going through the website and saw that, and then told me that that's why they're not going to do it and ceased communications with me. Unlucky. Wow. Do you want to explain to um, the listeners what the Rackmaster um, items are, I guess you could say? They're security tag removers. <laughs> so um for the layman so what what does that um well, that's entail exa- that's exactly what you fucking said <laughs> <laughs> no well, it's, it's for the the wholesale customers we sell our shirts to because our shirts are in such high demand yeah. um a lot of eshes are in there racking those and they've got the, the hole in the back and and all that kind of shit so we just supply these to the wholesale customers who stock our highly sought after shirts so that they can protect the stock within their shops. And so they use them upon checkout because there's so many customers purchasing our shirts um, to uh, remove the security tags from them so that the, yeah, the shirt's actually still on the floor when a customer wants to purchase it. Same with the sunglasses and the (laughs) the wine wine bottle ones. um... It's caught you a bit of media heat too, hasn't it? Slanging all that sort of shit. Yeah, there was a bit, a bit of back and forth with that um, between media agencies, but um, Daily Mail uh, and Seven News, I think. Yeah, Seven News asked um, whoever they asked. I don't, I don't actually know who, but to someone within government to change legislation and to so that we were restricted with what was happening, I guess. Um, but nothing ever came of that. 
Because I remember you hitting me up saying, do you reckon I should do the interview? And I'm like, nah, get fucked. And then I see old Skay fucking getting burnt at some pub <laughs> by a fucking reporter. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, um, didn't yeah, you send Skay de- uh, DJ Skay down there? Oh, they just they sprung us at the um, at the pub, but yeah, yeah, Skay got some rep. <laughs> <laughs> and man, it's amazing what you're doing, dude. Like, in the way you are impacting culture with you know what you're doing. Like when we do this podcast, man, you know, like we talk, to, try, you know, try to talk to a broad spectrum of people doing different things, and you know, just your activism within, you know, within fucking weed and all that sort of shit, and then you know the way you're translating that. Or, you know, more more to the point, translating marketing into that activism and then beyond the activism, the fucking, you know, the 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 fucking hustle, man, the fucking way you move, dude, like all these fucking different, different fucking avenues and channels that you're pursuing, but all pursuing kind of off that platform. It's fucking, it's fucking cool, man. It's cool what you're doing, eh? Yeah, I, I guess we, we have our fingers in a lot of pies while still trying to just stick to the same core of things. Yeah. Um, but I guess we've kept that core very, very broad. I mean, for, for a company with a subtitle of Creative Business Solutions, I mean, that could open you up to, to anything, really. <laughs> it could, yeah. could encompass anything. Um, so, we've yeah, we, we've kind of stick to the same same sort of demographic and we obviously have our interests and, and they don't change overnight. So. We just stick to, to what we want to do, and, and that's evolved over time as, as we evolve as people. Yes, certainly, man. What, what companies do you work with? Um, oh, so the ones we're repping at the moment, hold on, I'll open it because I, I don't really want to forget any good ones. Um, give me two secs, we'll give a shout out list. Yeah, you're all right, bro. Go for it. Go I know G Shock's one because of that watch. Yeah, because you work with a lot of big companies, don't you? Yeah, G-Shock don't give us too much, but we aren't working with any other watch brands, so they're 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 the watch we'd tell you to get if you um, <laughs> if you asked us what a good one was. Um, apart from that, there's there's Champion, um, they're pretty good. Uh, Global Gardens, which uh, distribute all your all your hydroponic supplies to um, oh well, they they uh, yeah to, to all your different hi- uh, hydroponic retailers. They're a distributor. Grow rooms um, and fertilizer. And then we within that that hydroponics industry, we're working with uh, a few different brands. So there's Soul Fusion who do precision horticulture lighting. Um, there's Breezen who uh, they handle all the ventilations and whatnot for for hydroponic growing. Yeah. Uh, Hustler Hydroponics, which have um, a bit of a different range, they have tents and, and other sorts of stuff like that. Uh, Seven Ten at Four Twenty, they have all the glassware and um, yeah, some some real cool shit for the end user. Yeah. Uh, Giant Nutrients for self-titled nutrients for yeah. your nutes. Um, Balling on a Budget, uh, the Hemp Health and Innovation Expo, HHI Expo. Um, so that's not happening too much at the moment, given given COVID and the lockdowns and everything. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, as soon as that subsides, we'll have uh, – they'll be touring again and, yeah, probably coming to a city near one of your listeners sometime soon, for the Aussie listeners anyway. Yeah. Um, Fireball Whiskey, that's uh, we've been doing doing a bit with them. Uh, there's Avert Bags, the Smell Proof Bags, um, Friendly Aussie Buds, and uh, some law firms, uh, Sydney City Crime and Xenophon Davis. So, um, in particular with that, with those last two, it's uh, we've been working with Mark Davis, who is a lawyer and um, partner in both of those firms. 
You should um, ex- while we're speaking, um, what happened to the old fucking this, glad oven bags? Trey, the, Remember the old glad oven bags, mate? <laughs> the um, while we're talking, I guess about the solicitors. Um, I suppose it would be a good segue into um, he works with friendly Geordies and that sort of stuff that's kicking off now. Yeah, Mark Mark Davis is representing friendly Geordies. He's, he's also actually representing me in a in a case which um I think we can I'd be keen to discuss maybe a bit later. We'll go into that in depth. But mm. um, uh, yeah, he's representing myself and friendly Geordies in the in the defamation case. Um, oh, and uh, Christo Lanka, who's uh, defending those um terror, uh, terrorism or stalking charges by the terrorism unit. Wow. Oh, that's his producer, isn't it? He got haunted by him. Yeah, Christo Lanka. So he was a he's a producer. Um, so I th- I'm not 100 percent sure, but I believe he he's acts as like the director and helps with the uh, the production and editing and whatnot. Um, yeah, they they stormed his house um, or approached him, um, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't want to go into too too much because I don't want to say the wrong thing. But there's plenty of of news stories and videos out there. You guys can hop on and watch what happened. Um, but basically, the counter-terrorist squad went to his house and charged him with stalking, um, and that was because he approached the deputy permanent premier oh, uh, a couple of times. <laughs> Old brass. What happened? Deputy yeah, premier. Brass. Um, it's better they, yeah, they if people watch watch they, it. Um, they were pulling stunts just like the chasers do. Yeah. And they, because they weren't backed by a big big network, um, they, they they applied this to them. There, there's other motivational factors but i guess anyone else or all those bigger networks like the chasers who who do similar things wouldn't see these charges they've just used this as as a way to get them um because they wanted to get them for other things wow you can jump on um craze's channel or friendly geordies and you can suss exactly mm. what sort of kicking off there but it's a bit more in depth and yeah as alex says if we say the wrong thing or he says the wrong thing um, it just just won't do it justice. Yeah, yeah. We, could, we could talk for a few hours just on that topic. I guess I like we could on a lot, on a lot of this, but um, to try and keep it short for everyone. I mean, everyone can definitely hop online and, and find more on any of the stuff we're talking on. We might bring it back to um, some of your merch because this is like as long as I've known you. Um, I guess I've been doing business regarding merch among other things, but um, you started. Um, I guess organising and distributing art DVDs, we should call them, like oh, yeah. Art and Soul, um, Up to No Good, Veins of Paint. Um, yeah, well, I guess that that just goes it falls in with the how I like doing the creative stuff and whatnot. Um, yeah, and the, and the, so that that graffiti. Graffiti DVDs of, of what you're referring to, or graffiti movies. Yeah. Um, and I guess that yeah, that just goes back to my passion, um, all my passions with graffiti and uh, and cinematography or, or video production, um, as well as yeah, manufacturing and, and producing a product or something more tangible. At the end of the day, was that red hot to distribute? Not many people in Australia would take that on. Really, just on oh. graph, graph, graph movies and shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they uh, don't like uh, uh, graffitios. Uh, it's been a while since we did it, and I did brush up on on the legislation back when we were doing it. But I believe everything we did was within the law. Mm. Uh, 
There are yeah. art documentaries. What is there, is there some sort of legislation against graph DVDs and shit? Well, no, but they're, they're, I guess the most relevant legislation would be profiting from illegal activity. Um, oh, that yeah. may not be the actual wording of the legislation, but that's yeah. basically what it means. Yeah. Um, that would probably be most relevant, but uh, given I'm not the person who did the vandalism, I'm just reporting on it. Um, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think that we were outside of, of legislation with any of those. No, you can be, given, be... Oh, sorry, yeah. I was just going to say, given the quantities and, and the way that we released it, they didn't need to go through any classification. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, fuck, dude. I worked in a graph store for like fucking three, four years up here, Crush City, and I mean, we fucking sold spray paint DVDs, markers, empty fucking markers, gloves, <laughs> fucking roller paint, like yeah, anything, man, you know, anything related to fucking graffiti, you know, like I imagine DVD, you know, like the, if we could sell fucking, the, if we could sell, dude, if we could sell fucking spray paint designed for graffiti artists to graffiti artists, I mean, obviously it was an art, quote unquote, art supply store, yeah. you know, but the, still, no, but. No, no quotes or not. I mean, there's no dispute. It's an art form. There, yeah, there's, straight up. There's uh, graph writers out there right now getting paid fucking fifty grand oh. to do a wall that's only going to last, and and the customer knows that it's only meant to last for a week or two. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, it's it's one hundred percent an art form. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, fifty grand and some. You know, depending on the writer. You know, there's writers earning fucking good <laughs> money, man. Good money these days. Oh yeah, definitely. A, a fifty grand job for him would be for for, for a good writer, or for certain mm. ones would be a regular thing. Yes, yep, 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 yep. Certainly, certainly. Yeah. And oh, sorry. The, uh, look, I guess I shouldn't say another hustle <laughs> that you do though is um, you're getting into fonts. Of um, oh yeah, well that goes I guess back to back to the graph too. So um, hand styles and and everyone having a style and whatnot. So. Um, then encompassing the, the design and, and where we sort of moved to, uh, we started designing uh, fonts or typefaces. So um, we're working with a few writers where they gave us their alphabets and we vectorized them and, and turned, turned them into fonts so that you can use them uh, through designs or in any other way that you'd use a, a font. Mm. Um, as well as yeah, designing a few of our own um, that weren't weren't collabs with with other writers giving us their alphabets, and then that turned into another income stream. Um, oh yeah, so we've um, we put we put them up on Dafont, um, and Dafont gives uh, ad share revenue just like YouTube does. Mm. Um, so yeah, based on their based on the ads and and the downloads and whatnot, they they do all right um, when we put up new fonts and whatnot. Um, yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. But what about that? What about the the crazy cats wall you did with the tome? You know, just while we're on the graph shit with the tome tees and spice, man. I'd like to hear more about that. I'll, I'll post the images of uh, of this wall on our social media and shit, so people know what we're talking about. But that was a fucking dope wall. We've had spice. Shouts to Charlene. We had her on um the podcast. I don't know, maybe ten episodes ago, something like that. Um, dude, fucking tell us a little bit about that. The crazy cats wall. Um, oh yeah, well, shout out to Spice to begin with. She's she's awesome. Um, we got uh, Flame Paints. They they sponsored that one. Um, so they provided the paint, and I I think it would have been Spice I hit up to begin with, and she would have brought a, a tome and tease on board. Yeah. Um, basically that that originally I guess that wall's still up today, and that was done. Sick. Fuck, that's been up for like seven seven years now, or um, maybe six years now. Yeah. Um. Actually, it might even be longer. 
But yeah, quite quite a while that wall's been up and it's still up today. Um, but that originated from uh, walls and wall flipping. So uh, back in the day, we saw a big problem with, uh, or started facing a big problem with uh, corporate entities getting involved in graffiti walls. So yeah. we had loads of walls where it was like a permission spot. So we had sought out whoever was in charge of the wall and spoke to them and, and got permission to be able to put it put whatever we wanted on there and we'd do our own graph and that was just what we did growing up and I'm, I'm sure a lot of your, your listeners can relate to that oh, um, and then uh, at, at one point uh, all the good walls started getting painted patterned over with like advertising and, and other random shit and so we'd go back and speak to the landowner and be like oh what's happening here or yeah like we can't paint it anymore obviously and that and they'll say oh this company's leasing it from us for x amount of dollars or whatever um so yeah we basically got into that, that game too and started competing against them and and trying to stop what they were doing and have some influence. I guess it didn't exactly pan out that way. We started with contacting the companies and trying to reason with them, but uh, a lot of them were just owned by greedy people who were only seeing the dollars. And um, when, when civil conversation didn't work, uh, we tried a few other things and decided we'd hit it where it hurts and fucking, yeah, compete with them in their in what they were starting to begin with. That's fucking nuts, dude. Um, nuts. So, yeah, back to that crazy cat's wall. We um, uh, a, a lot of the walls that we had that were either permission walls already or, or ones that um, I guess there were a heap of spots we, we knew. Like there's one that's infamous, um, Sydney, uh, uh, Steel Street, Sydney Steel, um, I think it's known by, which is the, the alleyway in Sydney. Um, the owners don't give a fuck, but they'll never, they'll never def- uh, tell that to the police. So my understanding is the owners don't want to talk to the police. So the police will come. If they see people painting there, they'll just arrest them and try charge them. But if the, the rider knows what they're doing, they'll dispute it and it will never uh, result in an actual charge because the, the landowner doesn't actually give a fuck and won't testify no matter what. Um, so there's a lot of spot- there were a lot of spots like that. Um, and we started flipping them and, and making legal walls and, and other things like that. Since then, councils tried to crack down on us and tell us that we need to get certain um, insurances and things, tried tried making it tough for us to actually make legal walls. So, yeah. so uh, we flip a lot of spots where we, we put up a bit of advertisement so that they're generating revenue and we can we can pay a lease to, to actually use the spot. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of it will, if possible, become a, a, just a legal spot uh, or we'll just uh, put, have riders paint it like this uh, atone one. Fucking that's bugged, eh? See, like, like you're, you're mm, flipping walls. Flipping walls. <laughs> then you're ringing yeah. me, asking me if I know any walls up here. Yeah. <laughs> do the same. Definitely looking. If anyone's got a wall they want to lease to us, if it's in a high traffic area, we'll, we'll definitely lease it. And wow. um, yeah, most of it will be graph and, and art. Wow. And how, much, and, and, and how much can the. Sorry, are you there? Is that me or is that fucking him? So how oh, much. No, I heard that bugging, but I think it's good. Yeah, yeah. So how, how much is it. Um, like how much is the owner of the wall being paid off the back of these leases? Oh, I, I get it's just like any other lease with any property. It depends on like the size, the location. Um, but yeah, if the proximity is right and um, and there's enough space to work with where we can put up some some advertise uh, a good amount of advertisement that that generates good return yeah. uh, and still has enough space for for art because we like to keep it 
I guess, a majority art uh, ratio. Yeah. Um, so once we factor all that in, I guess, yeah, the, the bigger the spot and the, the more prominent the area, um, yeah. the more money it's going to generate and the more we can pay back to, to the landowner. Yeah, that's fucking, that's crazy, dude. I mean, fuck, you are the craze co for a fucking reason, bro. You're fucking out here killing shit, man. And just as I'm as I'm listening to you speak, I'm just like, fuck, man. Like, just learning about, you know, just all these fucking various hustles, man. You make us want to move, you know? Like, you it's make been, us want to fucking It's been move. hurting, primarily, it's been hurting the dogs who fucking were taking our permission walls to begin with yeah. and tried declaring war in this shit and then fucking... And trying to, at the same time, hire graph riders. Like, riders won't work with this company. And from what I understand, the company has resorted to going and trying to get fucking uh, uni interns, like kids studying art in uni and oh, hiring shit. them as, like, interns and shit so that they can still pocket the the fucking most of the, of the budget that's being given to them from these brands and the artists are getting fuck all and the walls are getting the landowners are getting fuck all, which I don't necessarily care about. I'm more for the artists and the landowner, but yeah, um, either way, if you own some own a wall, you can still get in touch. I'll try help you. Yeah, fuck <laughs> yeah. I mean, good, uh, dude, that's a good little learn for anyone with like a fucking prominent wall on a train line or a main road or anything like that, prepared to lease their wall, you know, like, and particularly, you know, like, fuck, I mean, a lot of cunts don't want to don't want to fucking set up well you know they're adverse largely adverse to fucking legal walls because they figure it you know probably promotes fucking a message or some sort of fucking activity around their business that they don't want associated with their business is a good way of sort of any yeah any of the spots that we make like legal walls and like that obviously we ask everyone to be respectful and anywhere that we we because we list it online so that people obviously know that it's a legal wall and it exists um so yeah we we list that we ask them to be respectful and keep clean and take any rubbish or um try and set opening hours even though there's no one there staffing it obviously yeah 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 yeah. separate to that the people who maintain the 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 advertising side of things they usually clean up the area and try keep it tidy um and and visit it i guess on a on a more frequent basis um just to make sure that everything's flowing right uh but basically it's it turns a, a negative into a positive with them so with what i was saying before about people uh, going and taking those permission walls another thing we're also seeing was that street posters would just they'd see a spot that, that isn't getting cleaned with graph and then eventually it would just become a poster spot and all the tags or all the all the graph is covered over and it's just posters. Yeah. Um, so a lot of those spots where, where we occupy, we then we, once we're then managing the location, we'll designate a section of it for those posters and the rest of it will, can remain art and um, actually yeah, then generates return, whereas before that is, it's just – not generating anything it's just all becoming a mess and, and an issue for everybody yeah 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 how, di- how difficult is it for you guys to maintain those walls or to even to maintain control over those walls you know with writers being who writers are you know uh well in control in what sense i mean at the end of the day we're for the writer a, a scenario that they can pretty much still do what they want <laughs> doesn't Oh, so they're, they're just general legal walls. You're not using them for spe- specific, you know, the, the specific purpose of advertising. Are you employing writers? No, well, I guess, like, if it's not it's not an exact figure that we work with, but, like, to, to put it in perspective for your mind, like, say 75% of it would be murals or, or artwork yeah. and 25% would be advertising. 
um, and it's usually respected, um, yeah, won't, won't cross over or cause an issue. Um, and most of the time, the advertising is done in the form of those uh, posters anyway. So we're trying to work with those companies that were causing that issue. And a few of them are coming to the table. Uh, not only are they not covering over the, the graph stuff, but a lot of them are hiring graph writers now for their street team. So mm. if you're a writer and you want to go and get up, it, it's a, a pretty good uh, pretty good synergy to start working with them and putting the posters up and dropping your shit along the way while you're getting paid to do it. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> you, you used to be in the poster game to a degree, like not saying you're not in it now, but um, you were heavily involved yeah, in the in my poster games, games. I was one of the lads out there putting them up. So, yeah, all, all of this stuff that I'm talking about now, that, that hasn't started recently. That all started like, yeah, back when I was just, just painting walls and being a young lad on the back of the bus with my phone on fucking loudspeaker, fucking pumping <laughs> tunes and shit. <laughs> but yeah, it just evolved from there. Like we were losing our permission spots and, and there was problems going on, I guess, with all these other spots and, and shit just, yeah, we were, we were having to compete or trying, graph, graph riders were having to try and compete with fucking, um, yeah, the the commercial side of things and they're basically doing the same thing we are but they're not getting harassed by the police or anything because they have that commercial aspect to it um so with this we've kind of i guess found the happy medium i i guess with sharing the spot and um and making sure that that the people yeah that uh, us in charge of it are still allowing that that part of the art side of things to occur can you tell us any um potential because i know the poster game is pretty cutthroat um any sort of stories like the having to rent cars and shit like that because they're um like gps your car if you use it any of that type of shit oh fucking <laughs> the, the with the poster teams i mean on in in a major city at, at any one night there's there's probably a few vans out um from different companies competing with each other and so I guess if you look at it from a graph sense, um, you'd call it capping. So they've all got their lists of spots and they're just going and putting up their, their posters on those spots. And um, yeah, at any one night, there'd be a few vans out just capping each other because they're all trying to hit the same spots and have their their posters be the one that's last seen or, or gets the run for the day sort of thing. Um, nowadays, you've even got the vans out through the day. So it's not even safe if you if you're the last one to hit it in the night. Um, is, there, is there that much postering going on? Oh, fuck yeah. And there's that much uh, fucking corruption within it too. Like, Really? <laughs> yeah, there was uh, the one, one big-ass company were charging customers lots of money to, um, to, to run campaigns or poster campaigns, and one of them was so big and using, I think it used government money. Don't, don't quote me on this. Uh, yeah. it's, it's happened a few years ago. Yeah. Um, but I think it was using government money, and they put a private uh, auditor on it basically to, to report on how the, the marketing campaign was going. Yep. And the results of the auditor said there's no way they could have delivered on what they were charging for. Like absolutely no way they're charging like a million dollars or, or a million and a half too much for yeah. what they even have the cap capacity of delivering on. Um, and those guys got shut down. Um, and they had, um, yeah, they had some big contracts at the time working for the government and all other sorts. And like, yeah, back to the graph, the graph victims, I guess, <laughs> these writers that just want – want a permission spot or want to be able to go to the, the local thrasher spot where it's still going to get fucking seen by people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, they're having to compete with 
other people that are still doing graffiti just like them, but now they're, they're, those poster companies are getting sponsored by the government. The government's paying them to do it. Wow. Wow. That's fucking nuts. When I say sponsored, they're not sponsored. It's just government booking campaigns. Yeah, 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 yeah. At the end of the day, same shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking dude, exactly. Jesus Christ. If you get done for posters, um, this is for, say, local musos that are putting up or promoters. Um, I'll just, give them your business name. They'll have to take you to civil court. Yeah. <laughs> do keep in mind that um, getting caught doing posters is the same charge as... Um, what, graph? No. Vandalism? No, as being a prostitute. Solici- solici- solicitation or whatever is the same. Solicitation of fucking what? That's the first time I've ever heard yeah. that. Solicitation of so what? Fucking paper. It's the same if you're um, fucking wheat wa- paste. washing, yeah, doing that shit. Same yeah. with like washing people's windows and shit at set of lights. If but you, how's that got any fucking former relation to fucking uh, prostitution? It's, it's, right. it's, it's the same. Um, a wheaty fucking. It's the same, same charge. So, so a lot of, prom- <laughs> a lot of promoters. Right. Yeah, a lot of promoters back in the day. Yeah. If you got done like doing any posters or the, some of the blokes out there washing cars at lights and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. the same charge as what someone would get in law. It's the same charge. Fuck. Yeah. So yeah, you get Hell. fucking have that. If you put up a poster, you got to go for a job interview. Or what do you get done for? Oh, this. Like, oh, okay. It's a solicitation charge. Mm, putting up posters, so a lot of artists stop doing it. <laughs> like, a lot of boys still do their own. A lot of promoters still do their own. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. a lot of them just pay people like craze now yeah. to do it. Because there's specified walls, isn't there? Is that the same in Sydney? Like, there's only there's certain walls that can be posted, and you know, how does that work in well, Melbourne, man? Because Melbourne is posted the fuck out of eh? Like, is it different down there? Or they got who's Plackett? I think is down. There. Isn't uh, Plackett down there? I've heard of them. Yeah, we work with them. They're they're awesome. They're huge. Um, they're one of the biggest, I think, yeah. in Melbourne. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Are they doing um, billboards and all that sort of shit as well, or is that just? Fucking yeah, so a, a billboard is just um, uh, uh, like a mega poster. So That's it. you've yeah. got your standard size street posters, or you print them out and join them all together, and make a make a billboard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you say is there designated spots, I guess that's where the, what we're talking about with like the the atom wall. Yeah. Um, so yeah. given that one has such good writers on it, and and that the, the what went into that production we've left that one up yeah um the walls uh, there's some of the other walls we, we don't put the art on we just make them legal or whatever yeah. uh, most of them are, are in newtown in sydney but we are trying to set up some more of them at the moment mm. uh, uh, but yeah, so the, so those spots like we designate areas of it to that, and then the yeah the companies do it themselves. Um, yeah. Most of the poster companies now they're on good terms with the writers, like I, I was saying. So they're not really approaching walls with graph on it. They're they're finding their own fresh walls, just just like a, any other writer would. Yeah. Um, the only ones that are still really posing that issue or or not willing to work with the artist is the the one that provides murals, which. Seems to be the most silly because they're the ones in the art game. The other ones are selling posters. It's, it's, I mean, it's art, but it is a, it's not the same kind of art. Whereas, yeah, yeah, I don't want to the company's name, but fucking, they could be doing a lot more to help who they're profiting off. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Well, fuck, do we get into the get into the gorilla gallery and all that sort of shit? Um, yeah, I guess uh, that was that flows in with um, the guerrilla marketing and all, all the stuff we do. Um, so for that, uh, we found out that they, <laughs> the government, the New South Wales state government, 
basically acquired some property and deregistered it from the heritage listing so that they can develop it. Mm. Um, and it would have involved uh, demolishing two heritage buildings that have survived to the up until now and were on the heritage listing. So they were deemed to be um, something that, that needed to be protected. Uh, at one point in time, and then yeah, they they come along with whatever fucking power and influence they have, and we're trying to knock it over and sweep it under the rug. Um, so we got involved and uh, got a heap of other artists on board, uh, artists that are passionate about the topic, obviously. Um, they uh, they gave us a heap of different artworks that that were relevant to the situation and what we were the the topic we we're focusing on, which was saving saving those heritage buildings. Um, we planted a heap of plants around the spot and stuck up all the artworks on the, the windows. So I guess just to paint, paint a bit of a picture for, for your listeners, the buildings uh, at this point, the state government just left them to rot. I think they were hoping that people started uh, smashing them with tags and, and vandalism and all yeah. that so they could say, oh, look, it's an eyesore, we need to knock it down. So yeah, yeah. they kind of kind of... I guess built a hoarding around it and made it a spot that seemed very inviting to to the wrong kind of crowd. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm sure they did that intentionally because because that's what they were hoping to achieve. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it was just a, a heap of terraces uh, with like glass windows on the on the shop front. So it was like seven shops side by side um, that were just sitting there vacant. They condemned condemned them, uh, saying that they couldn't be used for anything. Um, and we obviously didn't agree with that and showed them how they could use it as, as an art gallery, for example, and just have it looking good while it, while it's sitting there, I guess, until the, the renovations are done the, that it's needed so that it can be habitable by, by businesses. Um, then yeah, they, um, just before a media conference, uh, I think it was like a week later, the state government sent letters to the council who were leasing the property at the time, so that they were in, in charge of it because they had the active lease, uh, and told the council that it was untidy and uh, and whatever else. So we've got the emails up on our blog, actually. Someone sent them to us, so we screenshotted them all and published them. Um, but, yeah, on whatever grounds it was, they said that it had to be removed the night before this press conference was held. Uh, and we ended up saving one of the buildings. The other one is still, uh, it's going through the court system at the moment with the, the team, uh, North Parramatta or Parramatta Residence Action Group, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're leading the fight and they're, um, yeah, they've taken it to, to court and they're having it heard by a judge. Uh, and I think they're trying to have the, the heritage listings put back on. So you basically just rocked up with a group of artists and set up a gallery, so to speak. Yeah, so it was all outdoors because at that point we were, we were limited in how you can do indoor events and we weren't leasing the property or having access to the inside. So we just stuck all the all the artworks up on the windows. So they were like um, big like two metres by two metre or two and a half by two and a half metre windows and we stuck each artwork up on, on self-adhesive vinyl like the vinyl shop front stickers. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, everyone just hung out around the front sort of thing. And just wit witnessed great viewed, art. Viewed it from the street. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking crazy, dude. That's well, fucking it's crazy. Good that you saved one of the buildings. Hopefully, yeah, it works and saves the other one. Doing some amazing work, man. Like just in like, you know, sort of fucking in the broader sense community work, you know, like it's fucking. Yeah. Awesome. And well, that, that one was also that uh, just to give shout outs to Global Gardens. That was sponsored by them, the, the Hydro Distro brand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and then yeah, they, uh, they I guess the the, uh, the synergies they saw were the the garden elements of it with the yeah the garden we did there. Word word. What other, what other sort of fucking campaigns have you been involved in that we should touch on? The plastic free beaches one. That's a good uh, one. Oh yeah, that's a pretty good one. It's July this month too, so it's plastic free July, and yeah. um, uh, everyone's encouraged to stop using reusable plastics, not just for this month, but always from now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Decrease yeah, your carbon so footprint. Pardon? Decrease your carbon footprint and all that sort of shit. Yeah, yeah. I guess if everyone does a little bit, then that'll all add up to a lot. So that involved um, a street art or street artist slash, um, what would you say, the posters again come back into play? And um, yeah, we, we we hit up the poster teams that we work with, who are um, uh, the yeah the ones that are, are willing to work with artists and whatnot, and they um, they put out the the posters for us, or they they did a big run of them. Um, Ooh Media put the artwork on on all their billboards, um, and yeah, there was there was a heap of other stuff. The painting a school with murals, plastic free um, murals, just to encourage the kids, I guess, to learn about it and, and to be educated or be willing to um, <laughs> what's the word uh, to think it's cool, <laughs> the idea is cool, and then uh, and then change the generation as it grows up. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah, was yeah. basically like the posters um, for what I remember is um, like sea life that was made up of um, plastic to a degree, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was. Uh, uh, I guess I think what you're you're referencing there was artwork made by Ink Hunter. Um, so he did artworks uh, such as like a. a, a fish um, made out of a Coke bottle or where the body was a, a Coke bottle, like trash. Um, and then, yeah, we printed them on posters and stuck them up at uh, Narrabeen Beach. And that that got some media attention and sort of blew it up from there and, and encouraged all the other people who, who I mentioned before, like the poster companies and um, and U Media, uh, to give us all those billboards and, and all that extra ex exposure. Um, and it was Inkanta and some of the artists who who initiated and pushed for the school murals. The um, so that like obviously with a lot of these stunts, like the end game is as much exposure um, for it as possible. Yeah, usually it's just yeah to get people talking about whatever topic it is, and um, we try not to, I guess, give them. Uh, we try not to tell people what to think, but more what to think about. So, as the, and in that sense, I just mean Google what what single use plastic is doing to the earth, and make your own educated decision on what you should do about it. Yeah, it's, it's communication, isn't it? It's all communication at the end of the day, and it's about communicating an idea with a broader public. You know, so. Yeah. You know, yeah, even like encouragement for education, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, certainly. Absolutely. You've you've also worked with, um, I guess, production companies. Like you're part of the um, when the first It movie came to Australia, you were part of that. Um, yeah, that shit sounded crazy, dude. That was fucking cool. Yeah, so that was through one of those poster companies too. That was um, uh, Mr. Glasses Agency. Um, so they they got that campaign from from Roadshow. Um, and that encompassed uh, 
six murals across three different states as well as another like PR activation stunt. Um, and then, yeah, so that used some great artists like Soffles up, up your way in Queensland and um, uh, Scott Marsh down here in Sydney uh, and Cherry Buttons and a few others. Um, yeah, yeah. Can you explain about the activation? Um, what was it, putting the balloons on the fucking putting the balloons yeah, out of the those red balloons to stormwater drains yeah, that's and, dope. <laughs> and, and spray spray painting chalk stencils with the uh with the message next to them that's sick dude that's and so for for that in in line with the uh i guess keeping plastic free beaches and and all that uh environmental awareness kind of stuff uh that whole day or while the balloons were out we had people driving around checking the spots they were at and making sure that the the rubbish didn't end up in the drainways and and was retrieved i guess if the balloon ended up popped or anything like that um and then they were all collected at the end yeah well so there's so there's you know there's a you know beyond the actual installation and the you know the the you know well fucking the the broader idea there's the maintenance of it is also you know, like there's yeah, fucking... Well, I guess like with that stunt where we put the plants all over Sydney, mm. that was for HHI Expo. They sponsored us this year and that was another one of those who are we hurting. It was also done on April 20. Yeah. But for that, we started on like April 19. As soon as it got dark, we left left the factory and just started putting those plants out all over Sydney. We were still putting the plants out until the sun rose on April 20. And then we dealt with the media all day and had the uh, our videographers and editors obviously editing the content and putting it out throughout the day. And then that night we had to drive around and collect them all again, which took just as long as putting them up. And so we were out yeah. until like sunrise again on the 21st or, or whenever it was after that, um, just to have that that all done. Yeah, that's am it's amazing, dude. It's Having to um, like organize the manufacturing of these plants. Um, is that what led you into then in turn um, creating and I guess renting slash selling all your drug drug props to different oh, well, movies the, the, and that year was the year after um, after the the King's Cross stunt. So from the King's Cross stunt, like uh, yeah, while while it was up in April, we used those pictures and already had it listed and offered as like props for hire. Um, and I think it took about four or six months before we started getting bites from, from those advertisements for props we put out. Um, and then it just snowballed from there. So when that second year come around with the bigger plants, when, when they went all over Sydney, um, we were already manufacturing like way more plants and, and all that stuff at that time. And that's why that second one was, was so easy because they were lying around in abundance. Do you want to um, talk about your props? Cause you're one of the only blokes I know that, um, legally owns a pill press. Oh yeah, so with the props, that's um, yeah, that's evolved to the point now where we're we're trying to specialise in, uh, or I guess we've been known as the drug prop specialist. Um, <laughs> so I guess buds and plants are the hardest or most expensive to to manufacture. So um, yeah, I guess like your coke and all, all your other stuff is quite easy. Given that we had those those the hardest two already down pat, and um, we were pretty much the only ones in the world that were were doing it uh, on the scale we were doing it on, um, 
uh, it was quite yeah quite easy I guess to just venture into the others and um, quite often the sets or productions are asking us for other things uh, separate to just the plants or the buds um, that we're doing uh, and that evolved uh, into underbelly 3838 approached us and they wanted um, a custom logo pill in a specific color and they were doing a, a story about whatever fucking crime had happened back in the 60s that had all been documented and they obviously wanted the the visuals to portray it accurately the red mitsubishi um, so we, did, <laughs> we didn't end up actually doing the props for that one because we didn't get this organized in time like there were there's waiting times with dealing with all the all of the officers we had to but um we went through the afp and we got permission to import uh, a pill press and so yeah, now we now we legally own one, and we can um, we can manufacture custom pills um, to specification for the script. That's fucking crazy. You um, you did props for was it Mister yeah. In Between Us? Yeah, so we had the the plant props on Mister In Between. That was season two, and um, they've got season three has just come out now. I get haunted to watch that, but I do remember you telling me that yeah, you're selling. Fake plants. <laughs> that, you don't um, want to watch Mister In Between. No, I, I haven't yet, it. man. It's, I get haunted by all my mates saying, "Oh, you got to watch it, got to watch it." And yeah, I still haven't watched it. Yeah, it's, it's a great show, man. Australian? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's Aussie. So it was filmed. Um, we're filming here in Sydney when we we're doing season two with them with the props. Um, and then that gets it gets uh, promoted very heavily in the states. So it's it's by Fox. Um, and yeah, they really push it over there, and I believe it's a big hit over in the states. Fucking work. so all the weed plants in whatever scene are all your um, props, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. There was um, there was another set uh, prop maker working with us from from a different company there. Um, but yeah, the, our props are throughout all that. Every every scene with bud uh, with the plants in them, we've got our plants through through them. That's fucking primarily that, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's nuts, dude. So it's sort of fucking the works even, you know, you're venturing into, you know, film and T V and all that kind of shit, man. Like that's that's sick, dude. That's sick. Uh, speaking of say, um film and T V, you um obviously you've done a lot of photography with different models and all that stuff. Um what you also started shooting pawns and eventually started GoHo Australia. Can you speak on that? <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah. I definitely, I don't, I don't mind speaking about it. Um, yeah, so that we will started doing that. Um, obviously, love women, and um, yeah, so that that was fun to do. We made it to, I think it was like second uh, for Australian channels on Pornhub, um, but we've taken most of the content down and don't put any new content on there since the all of the. Um, uh, what's the word, boycott Pornhub stuff started. Um, and then, yeah, we started reading about a lot of the, the issues that we're having or people were bringing it to us and saying, hey, like, do you know what Pornhub are doing or, or what's happening at the moment? And um, I actually still don't know much of – hold on. Oh, what was it with Pornhub again? I was just about to say, what what were Pornhub doing? What was – what the boy – yeah, cancel Pornhub. Why was that again? Oh, just there's heaps of shit online about um, – Oh, they're just um, sexual tra sex trafficking. Ah, yeah, no, yeah, that's right. They, they, apparently, they're involved with with what constitutes sex trafficking. Fuck, Jesus! Hell. I thought it might have been like 
and when I when I say involved, whether that's directly or enabling it, um, yeah. either whether I guess yeah, if you're if you're a platform with withstanding as such, then you need to be using it in the right way. It, it, no matter what power you have, just like the police force or or a porn channel, it, if you have power, you need to use it in in a, the right capacity. They probably weren't checking where some of these videos were coming from. The origins of them. Yeah, and stuff like know, that. Because yeah. I think now you have to be verified and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but Possibly. But, see, if it was a matter of, like, issues being brought up and then them resolving it, that's that's something I can deal with. But I believe with like what we're researching at the time, it's they weren't coming to the party and trying to resolve the issue. And I guess that's the same as, like, what we said with the with the, the graph stuff on the walls and we went and spoke with that, that mural company that kept turning them all into advertisements and they didn't want to play ball, but the poster company did. It's like... You can, you can, yeah. People, people might not always do the right thing, but you can always fix your errors. You, you, if you're not willing to to listen or to try and fix them, then there's going to be ongoing problems. The uh, so you still um, fuck with Goho Australia or yeah. yeah, definitely. So, so pretty much now, if um, all of the content I guess is just for the models directly, and that would go onto their OnlyFans or. They'll make their own private sales in in whichever way they do it. Yep. Um, you don't even need it. Like a, that's it, eh? There's only fans and all that kind of shit now. Like, oh, there's a few other platforms, and I guess and it's probably a bit easier going through the platforms and just sharing some commission with them for for the the ease of use of of the system. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you definitely don't need to go through OnlyFans or one of the one of the platforms. You can do it all yourself. You, did this kick off with you um, filming old Jake Shy on that Sydney rooftop? Uh, oh, I didn't kick off with that, but that was um, yeah, that's one of the episodes that that Goho have produced. If um, what was that? What was it? Jake Shy's. That was like an urbex style. Oh yeah. Uh, adventure with uh with two ladies that ended up giving Jake Shy a blowjob, and Jake Shy is Australia's number one. Uh, male porn star. Oh, I've never heard of him. He beat he beat Morns recently. Oh, is this a tattoo shit? Yeah, yeah, it, right. Um, I don't know if you know I'm crazy, but Morns, Melbourne rapper, um, entered the None. shit tattoo contest at the Ink Expo or whatever. Yeah, and he got beaten by Jake Shy for shittest tattoo. Yeah, we spoke about it at the end of the, the tail end of the Morns episode, eh? Yeah, yeah, because Jake Shy had the um Gucci logo on his Gooch. <laughs> Fucking Jesus Christ. And he beat, yeah, he beat more, one against Morns for the shittest tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> That's some fucking shit right there. But, what did Morns have? Oh, fuck it. was a Simpsons character or yeah, something. You it? It. Like, yeah, you name it. You name which shit tattoo. Yeah. Like, he's got um, quite a few he was telling us. But um, he, yeah, he's just riding tattoos, so he gets all random shit. Any but, any of us covered in tattoos have probably got a fucking handful of shit ones on us, man. I'm fucking, I'm no exception to that. That's for fucking. Yeah, I've got a few shit ones. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I'm covered, Doing covered all your, um, obviously, you incorporated what you do um, with the rooftop fucking exploration, all that shit. Um, you're, you are a big fan of that. A lot of your shit is. You're doing um, like climbing cranes, climbing buildings, doing all the filming for that shit. Fucking. Uh, I'm quite scared of heights, so I wouldn't quite say climbing cranes. But, 
going going up and test, testing my limits or fucking getting the adrenaline pumping is always fun. Well, you seen me at fucking Brisbane. I wouldn't even – how long did I come out to the top of that fucking <laughs> roof for, man? <laughs> stuck me oh, head up like – yeah, yeah, stuck me head up uh, and like, yeah, nah, no, nah, maybe that. Maybe not that scared of heights, but um, – yeah, I'm not definitely not climbing now on the arms of cranes or anything like that. Oh, man, I've seen some crazy shit. Like when I was working at Crush, there used to be a couple of kids coming in, and that's when I first started hearing about that Urbex shit maybe, you know, like, yeah, how long ago, five, ten years ago, whatever. And, um, you know, some of these kids were coming in, man, and they'd show me some footage on their phones. And I mean, there's these two kids, man, they were climbing up fucking skyscrapers that were under construction. They'd go up to the top of the skyscrapers, then climb up the cranes that were on top of them. And this one dude is jumping harness free from crane to crane like and uh, i'm just watching this footage just like holy fuck man and he's hundreds of meters from the f- from the fucking ground you know like oh, yeah fuck that yeah no it comes a fucking get, mad with you've it, got man. some pretty good fucking pics though we'll chuck a few pics up man if you don't mind on the um yeah you yeah, did, I, you did I, that I one in the beers beats on, and the beers on, tea, on, hey? on, our, yeah. on, on youtube there's, there's a few of our a few of our mateys or acquaintances they've, they've done a lot better stuff than i have and we've got content of that up there and I love watching that shit. Like fucking, you just you're on the edge of your seat the whole time, and like fucking trying to like step in off the ledge for them while you're just watching. Yeah, through. dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it makes your stomach turn watching some of it, eh? Like it's just like, oh, oh, oh fuck. <laughs> we might chuck up that um pick of you in Brisbane wearing the beer shirt. Yeah, the beer shirt. I'll use it. I'll use it for the promo on this episode. Oh yeah, for sure. With um, what's his name? The Gold Coast boy. I can't think of his name. Oh. Uh, 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 Fucking um, GFX. Yeah, he's a good dude. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jesse. Yeah, he's a good bloke. Yeah, real good bloke, that. But, but like, you know, speaking of working with brands and sort of building brands and shit like that, you've been doing a lot of work with um, Bowling on a Budget and stuff, haven't you? Or you've joined forces with them and (laughs) you're doing stuff with them. I mean, they've got a, like, a, you know, sort of large growing platform. I've been seeing them. Yeah, I guess they're not really selling anything. I guess they. They're, they're just dudes similar to me, um, but not even really putting like a brand name on it. So they used to be a in print magazine, like a men's mag. Yeah. Um, and that was, I guess, the the origins or the background of the what's now the online blog or what was the online blog. Um, but they, yeah, that for me was more like a, a platform where we'd push the stuff out. So whatever work we're doing with, with the artists, um, being sponsored by the brands, we'd then need obviously ways to propagate it. Um, so for that, we'd use like blogs and, uh, and platforms like Ballin' on a Budget. Um, at one point they had like a million, million, uh, likes on, on a Facebook page, (laughs) but it ended up being taken down for putting up too many females and too much weed content back when, before the Facebook's policies were, were allowing the weed stuff. Just in regards to Facebook and that sort of shit, have they had to relax their, um, you know, their restrictions or their own standards in regards to, you know, the promotion of cannabis and chicks and, you know, all that sort of shit? Um... Oh, well, they're still not allowing nudity. I don't think anything with the, the female content chains. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. But in terms of the cannabis, I guess, the uh, yeah, the, the laws in, in America, I think, have had a lot to do with them changing their policies or, or relaxing um, the, uh, the, uh, the implementation of the policies or the, the repercussions of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that's got a lot to do with the actual industry side of things worldwide um, taking off. Given that it is is now a, le- a legitimate industry um, yeah, in dude. more states or, or in more places, and it's uh, yeah not 
Exactly, man. Nah, listen, bro. Listen, we fucking we greatly appreciate your time and shit like that, man. Like just fucking, you know, shedding some insights into all this kind of stuff and you know the cannabis activism and stuff. But you know your own. Um, so, so what happened, re- Trav? Do you want to break it down? So, what happened recently with this drug driving show? You know, you you well, sort of touched on it briefly well, earlier, mentioning the lawyers and all that kind we'll of discuss, thing. We'll discuss, I guess, um, if you're comfortable talking about obviously your situation, but um, I guess the. The drug driving and the laws has affected your business as well as you on a personal level. Do you want to discuss that if you feel comfortable? Yeah, well, I guess the only thing I can really attribute it to is those stunts that we're doing and for some reason someone's got their fucking panties in a knot about it um, or don't agree with the the legislation changes or, or what we're proposing, which we haven't even really proposed much except for like who are we hurting, which is mm. just a simple question. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically uh, for like a year or a year and a half, I was getting targeted by the police. Um, so they must have had my, my number plates pinged and they were just constantly pulling me over, searching the car and drug testing me. Um, it kept resulting in, in negative tests and they weren't finding anything in, in the car searches. Um, and then on two occasions I was with my partner. Um, it was the three weeks back to back between the, between the two occasions. Um, uh, yeah, on those, those two, I was with my partner and tested positive and I wasn't sure why or how or, or anything like that. So I sought legal advice. I ended up getting the court attendance notice for the, first offence, um, uh, I think maybe a month after it happened, so that would have been like a week after the second offence happened. Um, so then, then there was a second offence and I, I, I rang up and asked for the results of that and, and was anticipating another, another court attendance notice uh, about three weeks later from that second one. Um, <clears throat> I didn't get anything, and uh, and my legal team sought uh, adjournments. So we ended up getting three adjournments, and it was months, months later. Um, they they were still after that searching my car and and uh, drug testing me, but the the subsequent tests came up negative. Um, so then, yeah, I kept I kept inquiring about the the results of this this second uh, the second offence that occurred. Uh, all the court attendance notice or anything like that so that I could deal with both of them together seeing as they, they occurred uh, so close together and before I had dealt with the first one. Um, yeah, they uh, they told me that the results um, weren't in and because it was taking so long were most likely negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, my legals advised me uh, they told me to plead guilty. Nothing will happen. It'll all go away. Uh, I won't lose my car license, and I won't have to pay a fine or anything like that. They yeah. said that um, uh, he was giving me like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like he had spoke to the magistrate or something like that, or yeah. or prosecution, um, and making out that yeah, I should just go that way, and it'll be an end of story. Go home. Mm. Um, so I did that. I received a no conviction, and and I kept my car license. And then uh, that was uh, at the end of the week. So then on the Monday, the following week, a, a couple of days later, um, they came to my house. They served me with a court attendance notice for the second one, which was predated months beforehand. So they had obviously just been holding it for the sole purpose of trying to stick me harder. Yeah. Uh, so then, yeah, they served me with the papers of the second one. And then they also revoked my security license and my master's security license. 
Um, Dirty so can't that, say. Dirty can't so you were yeah, running a security um, company at this time. Yeah, and so we had uh, four employees plus contractors, and uh, the company had been going for over over a decade. Um, we uh, not I didn't start it. I, I bought it running, and I had been running it for about five years, or, or I had owned it for about five years, and was maintaining it for that long. Um, so it was at a point where I was focusing on on the marketing and whatnot, and never rostered myself on there. I was just looking after the business behind the scenes. Um, so I guess it, it, the biggest impact it had was on all of the employees who, who found themselves without without a job, um, as well as the customers. So I guess this this happened on the first of December. So it was we were in the middle of a pandemic and. Um, in the middle of a pandemic and uh, a, a month out of Christmas or a couple of weeks before Christmas and the customers suddenly, all, all of the customers suddenly found themselves having to find new security on a, on a permanent basis and the employees had to find themselves a, a new job to work. Um, so yeah, that, I guess that affected the most. I spoke with the lawyer who was given the wink, wink, nudge, nudge uh kind of treatment and um and yeah confronted him on, on how it unfolded and that that his legal advice wasn't up to scratch um and then ended up seeking new legal advice who is that mark davis who we spoke about who's also representing uh friendly geordies yep um and so he got an expert uh an expert on board who reviewed the the all the facts and everything, because I, I still didn't didn't know how the first or second positive uh, positive tests occurred. Um, so the expert who has who's done ample years of, of study uh, on this topic and on saliva, um, and has the right degrees in in it uh, in the uh, right field, has looked at the facts and determined it was most likely cross contamination from kissing my partner, who's a prescribed patient. Um, oh God. fuck for real. Yeah. And so we submitted that, um, to the courts and the police forensics, uh, wrote back trying to discredit the, uh, the expert witness I have, yeah. um, uh, and they're going to duel it out in court over a two day hearing. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it'll be uh, be good to see the outcome. Um, I think uh, it's amazing that uh, that this defence in Tasmania has now been identified. Um, and yeah, a, a good uh, yeah. I guess if if this was a, if this had happened in Tasmania, we wouldn't we wouldn't be discussing it right now. And those four people plus contractors wouldn't wouldn't have lost their jobs, and all of this stuff wouldn't have happened. And it's just it's absolutely crazy that it has over something that is at worst my my prescription meds from six weeks prior to the first occasion or nine weeks prior to the second occasion or a cross-contamination from my partner's meds that she yeah. had consumed. Yeah. So, so what's the difference between the Tasmanian law and, say, the New South Wales law that you got done with? Well, g given I'm also a patient, uh, so, because there's no one knows how long it actually stays in your system. So I'm a patient now, but I have to be careful. Like now that I use, well, now that I've used tonight, I'm not meant to drive for for say two weeks now. But that's not a, a definite number. No one can give me a solid answer of how long I need to wait now before I drive. I know that I don't feel impaired within two hours of it. The studies and the most recent. 
studies say that it takes around four hours for the impairment to leave your body. Um, but the, the the legislation in every state, well, I guess in, including uh, oh no, no, every state except Tasmania, uh, is about having it present in your system. So if you take your medication and six weeks later test positive, which is what I thought was happening to me to begin with before the expert witness was on board and explained, no, this is probably cross-contamination, not your, it's, it's more likely that it's cross-contamination than it is the stuff staying in your system for six weeks. Um, so up until I, I met him and he gave me the educated facts, I was assuming it was still in my system from prior. Yeah. Now, at the time I got pulled over, if that was me thinking, oh, that's my shit still in my system, I would have showed him my prescription I would have showed them I'm not impaired and I would have been on my way. Yeah. So Tasmania, it, the legislation's about impairment and the rest of the states is just having it in your system. Yeah, and yeah, basically that. But um, but they also have some form of legislation that relates to it being in your system, yeah. but that has a defence available to it if uh, you're prescribed it uh, via legitimate means. Yeah, yeah. That fucking sucks for you, bro. Like losing your security license um, for something, yeah, that you could have had six weeks before is um, fucking pretty shit. Well, it looks like it looks like. Um, so that that's why I'm saying like now I'll wait two weeks because I'm having it tonight, or if I have it tomorrow night, then wait two weeks from then. Yeah. Um, but basically, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, that it's more likely that that positive test was from from uh, cross contamination, and all the studies or, or sort of evidence or research that we can do indicate that two weeks should be enough to to not test positive. The fact that you could lose a license based on based on that alone, like you know any any sort of license, you know, even well, not some... only that, like I didn't even cop a criminal charge or lose my car license. Like, this is just a matter of legislation ca catching up with medical development. Is it just because it's a security license? Like, yeah, really. but also yeah. the problem is the security industry legislation, like, you, yes, you might might update uh, driving legislation, but there's still loads of other legislation that might have cannabis mentioned. Yeah. Now, all of that needs to be updated to allow for the fact that cannabis isn't only illicit, there's also a prescribed version of it here in Australia available to uh, Australian citizens. <laughs> still, not many people do know yeah, that it's um, prescribed still. I guess that's why. Yeah, that's the the police officers that were charging me had no idea. Like that's why the, the things like from criminal to patient, I feel, are so important. Like no, not just educating people who are becoming criminals and 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 don't need to be, um, or copping charges and don't need to be, but also for for people like the police who are applying those charges. Like at least know that this is the thing that that, that is happening or exists in in their own jurisdiction. Dude, this has been fucking man. This has been a fucking great, a great interview, man. Like, fuck, that's uh, yeah, some crazy shit. And you've shed some light. You know, you've shed a lot of light, and um, yeah, just educated us on a lot of um, what is going on out there in regards to cannabis. That's that's some crazy shit, man. That's some crazy shit. Yeah, well, hopefully more people can get on board. There's um, yeah. there's a few petitions you can sign to try and help with um, with changing the the driving legislation here on the mainland. Yeah. Um, I guess the the next way that I think people could could help themselves, I guess, if they want to see the same change, 
um, approach their local MPs. Um, so whichever party you're fond of, whichever way your your vote tends to swing, find the whoever the local MP and representative of that party is in your area. Ask them what their stance is on weed. If yeah. they're not in agreement with you, ask them why and try and educate them. If they are in agreement with you, depending on which party you're going to, then ask them how you can help. How long do you think it'll be until we see, you know, we see weed parties, you know, because there are, you know, there are there are weed parties around the country, but how long until we see them kind of legitimised? You know, I still think like, you know, on the ballots and all that sort of thing, they're, they're largely, you know, viewed as, you know, fucking, you know, see you later type shit. Do you think, do you think we're going to see legitimate, you know, legitimate? Every year you see, you see some, some, I don't know too much about the politics of it, yeah, but yeah. you will you will continue to see cannabis parties on the ballot papers, yeah. and the bigger parties will will ensure that because if no one else is gonna, if no legitimate party is gonna put it, they'll put it there with some uh, stand in place parties just so that they get the preference votes because wow, they know that stoners at the box are gonna be like, oh weed, I'm gonna just tick exactly. that box. Exactly, exactly. That gets the votes. It goes it goes on in preference. Um, yeah. but in, yeah, I don't, I don't quite get what you mean with, with seeing legitimizing, but it's, it's definitely having an impact and we're, we're definitely seeing change. Um, mm. I don't know if any of the one policy party should be in part power. I mean, there's a lot of other things to think about with running the country than just weed. Yeah. Um, but that should be legal, so that's something we don't have to think about and can move on to the next thing. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, you're exactly right, man. You know, yeah, in a in a um, preferential voting system, yeah, all those votes, like you know, to all those cunts listening that just walk in there and go, oh yeah, I'll just fucking sign that. Those votes always fucking wind up with one of the major parties, you know. So, yeah, no, I was just more sort of talking in the sense of yeah, just like le- the the legitimization of fucking weed and in turn those parties that that you know sort of propagate that information but as you said man you know it is there are far fucking larger and greater issues but bro listen we've we got to wrap this up we've had you for over two hours already man and i can't appreciate you know can't thank you enough and appreciate your time but um you know because we have to wrap it up um you know what what's been one of the you know the craziest most fun moments you've had doing what you do because you know you've done a fucking whole lot Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've been through fucking probably a dozen of them over the past two hours. <laughs> yeah, uh, I tell you, the 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 part that's not always the most fun is the anxiety right before execution. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. you just have all this time to plan it, but then yeah, <laughs> then you get to a point, and you're like, oh fuck, like, what have I got myself into? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, what has been what like what's what's been um, the most successful campaign for the Craze Co? Um. Oh well, I guess in terms of the campaigns that are, yeah that are probably uh, get get the most feedback and positive feedback and people love is probably that that four twenty shot the the fake dispensary in the cross. Yeah, word. No, it's fucking. It's fucking. We didn't even get through half the shit you do from yeah. like all the merch shit you've done. Um, yeah, man. All these campaigns. Like we've got a hundred campaigns sitting here that we could have. Uh, discussed if we had time. Yeah, but time marches on and, man, motherfuckers got to work in the morning and shit, so, you know, man, but, like, fuck, dude, man, we can't thank you enough for your time once again, Oh, also, thanks for having me, guys. Cheers. Nah, that's dope, dude, and hopefully, you know, we we can shed a bit of light on shit and, you know, people gain. We'll, we'll have to edit a bit of this, though, we are, eh? No, it's been pretty good, bro. Yeah, I fucking said it Just- free. 
It's just a little tidy off if we can. <laughs> <laughs> All good, man. We'll talk. We'll talk off mic anyway. This has been Beers Beats and the Biz for another week, and uh, thank you for tuning in.